Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. It is Friday, March 12th. We have survived another week. For me, it feels like barely. How about you two, Mara Caravello? And Greg Hughes is in snowy St. George today. Snowy St. George, not sunny St. No. George, which it rolls off the tongue very easily. Sunny St. George. Snowy St. George, very different uh, way to say it. And very disappointed, you know, that I'm I'm in the snowstorm of St. George. Well, I think it's about 11 degrees warmer where you're sitting. Excellent. So. And it's a nice break for the ladies in here. Just no boys just allowed. Us. Just girls just in the podcast us. room. And whoever's in the podcast room as opposed to on the phone, I always feels like it's a one-up in the debating because it's, oh, good. it's easier to be in charge. It, you know, there. it is. There's a mute button that you guys are going to start using, too. Probably. I'm just going to know. The listeners aren't going to know I'm still making my point. I just play loud music when I don't want you to talk. <laughs> See, yeah. <laughs> See? I shouldn't have said anything. I should have known. Who sound great, the Emmys, big. the Grammys, when they make their speech and yeah. they just turn the music up super loud? This is Greg's yes. playoff music. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, uh, we have a t- I feel like every week I'm like, man, is there ever going to be a quiet week? There really isn't. But um, we have made it to the one-year COVID anniversary officially yesterday, according to when the World Health Organization said it was a worldwide pandemic, which I've kind of felt bad about because we've been replaying all of that um, Rudy Gobert video where he's groping the microphones and really the dude this is like something i would do i don't think he meant anything but he's been thrown under the covid bus for starting it all so i felt the same way i was watching national coverage and that's where they started their story and i thought oh sad patient zero just because that preempting of an nba game right at the last minute is just such perfect setup right the year and all of our sports teams said that the reason why he did that was because they were keeping the reporters so far away from the actual players and it was his way of being like hey i'm with you dude sorry about all this not i'm trying to spread disease and i'd like to note that i don't think there was anyone in that room who got sick from any of that afterwards so Poor Rudy. Hopefully Poor we Rudy. won't keep remembering him year But what a year. year, you know? I mean, oh. it's just been so long. I know. It, it's, it's been odd. It feels like five years to me. Although sometimes it feels like that game where we were watching the Jazz shut things down was a couple weeks ago. But then I'm like, you know what? This is the longest year of my life. Greg, um, how are you feeling about this? You're just ready to move on to 2022? Yeah, you know, I um, it, it is surreal. Uh, that year I was campaigning statewide for governor. We were down in uh, Hurricane and Hurricane. Uh, actually, I'm <laughs> Hurricane. I was actually pretty close to where I am right now. But it was almost like a pack up and go home and get inside. And, you know, for me, being socially distanced is like kryptonite to me just generally in life. I mean, if I have to sit in my house, that's a that's a punishment. I, I need interaction, social interaction. But, you know, remember they said flatten the curve. We're going to do this for 14 days. Man, this curve must have been a heck of a curve because we are still flattening. We are still working on it. So, yeah, it's been a long year uh, in regards to that. 
I will say, you know, I'm feeling light at the end of the tunnel. I, I you know, I, I'm judicious because I think we, we all still have a bit more work to do. But it does feel like we've got a plan. It does feel like you can start. I mean, both, both our governor and uh, last night uh, President Biden said, let's, let's start thinking about July 4th. I mean, that just feels like we do have a plan if we can hang tight for just a little bit longer. Yeah, let's be, talk a little bit about Biden's speech. It was his first um, primetime speech, really the first time he's addressed the country since he's been president. I've been waiting for him to maybe answer some questions in a news conference. I've been disappointed about that. <laughs> but um, when he spoke yesterday, it was a far cry from what we heard even a week ago, where he was saying, you know, maybe by Christmas we can let things up. So I know we've gotten more COVID vaccines, but Greg, uh, why is there hope now, not just here on the state level, but nationally, that uh, on the Fourth of July we can? burn our bras, our masks, and party with 50 <laughs> well, people or fewer? We're seeing we're seeing the, the uh, numbers coming down for uh, diagnosed cases as well as deaths. We're seeing everything move in the right direction. Uh, that's a combination of things, but certainly the vaccine can't be ignored uh, in terms of, uh, you know, the positive direction we're moving. The thing that I'm most worried about, though, in the latest CDC uh, guidelines that just came out a few days ago is I really don't want to see the CDC or 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 by President Biden or anyone else pit those who've been vaccinated against those who have yet to be vaccinated or are not choosing to be vaccinated. I do think that's a choice. Uh, medical freedom. We ought to be able to make these decisions ourselves. Uh, but in those CDC guidelines, it almost read uh, to those that are vaccinated, you really still can't do anything till the rest get their vaccination, and that will turn people against one another. If those are the narratives that you start to hear, I think if you've had the vaccination, I think the world looks very different uh, uh, for you than those that have not or and not got. See, I'm Superman now. I got it. I have the antibodies <laughs> coursing through my veins. I am immune. I am like Superman to bullets right now. And I believe that I'll have those antibodies forever, just like the chicken pox. So I, that's that's my theory I'm running with. But uh, I just don't want to see that. We've had enough of people. Uh, you know, you've had virtue signaling, everybody getting mad at someone gets mad because you're wearing a mask. Someone gets mad because you're not wearing a mask. I think we just have to calm the waters. We see that everything's going the right direction. Uh, let's just embrace that and stare at the positives. A little personal responsibility. What do you think about those new Amara, um, the CDC guidelines? Because I think a lot of people are thinking, I've got my vaccine. I, you know, should be able to live my life. And they are still telling people not to fly. And the airline industry is like, whoa, Go buddy, nuts. we need to survive this too. You know, I am going to say the CDC has rolled with it though, right? They keep updating it. And I think they are learning as we're learning. We're not giving them any room. I do think they're staying science-based. Um, they're exceeding expectations in terms of distribution. I appreciate that the federal government is taking a stronger role in getting vaccines out there. So uh, I'm going to say I'm trusting that the, the CDC will roll with it. They they are putting limitations, but they also said, hey, if everyone's vaccinated in the room that you're in, sit in the room without a mask. I mean, we're all adapting as we go. I, I was really surprised that uh, President Biden signaled so quickly that he thought by July we would be um, a little more open. So my expectation is that the more of us that, that keep at it and do what we can do. Um, I think, you know, there is a, there's a group of people who don't want to get vaccinated, but if the, if the majority do, those numbers equal out, and summer really helps. We saw that last year yeah. and being outdoors. But I think the CDC, considering the unexpectedness, the unprecedentedness of this, I think that they have continued to evolve 
their uh, recommendations as we go. And I'm hopeful, I mean, when we're looking at the numbers, depending on the state, you've got 10 to 15% of the population that's actually vaccinated. The numbers keep going down. So I'm hopeful that we have herd immunity from people like Greg or myself or the people that don't even know they have it. It's really adding to that. So we'll be watching it closely. But Um, you know what? Can I I just say one thing about this I find very interesting? Only one, Greg. Just one, just one little, small little observation. So Every, there is this narrative that if the government doesn't by edict force you to do it, then we're just not going to do it uh, generally in terms of take precautions. If there's not a mandate, then I guess that that, that means you, no one's going to do it. And every time you talk about mandates, people talk about why it makes sense to take precautions or why we should take them. I'm going to tell you that my personal experience, now that I am you know, Superman to the bullets, I am now immune and I'm enjoying it. Some of the precautions that I began to take, like not touching doors that every single person touches. I have this little brass hook I use. I saw it on Facebook. I bought. I'm still using it because I kind of don't want to touch things that everybody. I've got my mindset is that I like that precaution, like just not touching things that every stranger in the world touches. Uh, the, the the you know the the door to the convenience store. You know if that thing can open on its own, or if someone's opening it, holding it for you, you don't have to touch it. I think some of these precautions, at least that I've taken, I'm going to carry on forward without government edict, without a mandate. I'm going to start to continue to exercise precautions. So I think people will do that. I think uh, I, I hope people are given credit that they can make some smart decisions and try to not catch germs generally or COVID uh, as we go forward. We've learned a lot in this year. I have appreciated that when you go into the bathroom with adults, that all the adults are washing their hands. And I hate to admit it, but I work with people. I see people at the stores who do not have not previously washed their hands and now they do and i'm like well if the pandemic yeah. has brought us anything we have that we to have forward. hand washing going on which is nice which brings us to the topic of the legislature uh passed i guess a bill that makes it so by april 10th uh utah will no longer have a mask mandate it comes with a bunch of caveats in that students will still wear it if you're in a group of 50 you still wear it and then counties can still pass it so i would assume that when april 10th comes and the state mandate goes away that uh, the mayors of Salt Lake City um, and Salt Lake County will immediately put their own edict back out there. So I don't know how well this will work, but boo, but boo. Mara, was this a good idea? It sounds like there was some negotiating and some arm twisting going on. Yesterday, I saw Spencer Cox talking to one of the newspapers about the fact that he didn't have much choice in it. But the April 10th deadline got him a little bit further down the road, but also put him to a point where if he tried to veto it, they could call themselves back into session and re-put it back into place. I do think he was negotiating between. I mean, I I, I want to bite off the point that, that Greg made a second ago about this personal responsibility. And you need to look no further than this past year to show that behavior didn't change until we saw mandates. And the role of government is not to be the popular cheerleader of what we all want. And I, and I really think this is unsupportive of the businesses and the coaches and um, – the local level people who now have to have that conversation as people enter their workplace and as people enter their retail stores. And nobody wants masks, but for the state to totally punt the ball to 
retail and local jurisdictions and not have the courage to be the ones that say, I know this isn't popular, but we're going to be judicious and looking out for everybody. I think it was a mistake. At the end of the day, uh, I, I do believe in individuals, and I think we are largely on board. So I, I, I want to give both a shout-out to individual rights, but I think the role of government here would be to do the long-term hard thinking. And as far as I can see, the state punted that and said, oh, retailers, you guys have to have the hard conversations at your door, and a little league coach, you guys have to have the hard conversations at your door because we're just going to give the good news that we're not going to mandate anymore. I think you're absolutely right, Heidi, in that you'll see cities and counties, particularly along the denser Wasatch Front, preempting those rules. Yeah, and I've also we've also seen in Texas, too, that Target and I forget what other store, was it the Kroger stores? There was a couple of them that said you still had to wear masks. So the interesting thing will be, even when states get rid of their mandates, how many stores nationally will wait till things are great in all 50 states to change the rules or will they let local stores? So who knows how long it'll well, be. Well, it'll be hodgepodge again, <laughs> right? Like we've all sat there and I don't know why one store lets six people in and the other store lets 20 people in. And I know, that's There's the a little bit of frustration, I know, where we're trying to decide point by well, point what the rules the, are. Yeah. The challenge is that Mara's utopia of government telling everyone what they can't do, you'd have to look no further than California where Governor Newsom is going to walk right into a recall election because of the onerous uh, mandates that they've created by, as a state. And I don't think that their numbers are any better and there's not more less uh, infections or deaths than states like uh, Florida, which uh, got rid of their mandates long ago, but do have businesses that are exercising precaution or asking people to wear masks. I think that there are states that have done it both ways. And when you look at the circumstances uh, of those states, I don't think you see some day and night difference in terms of safety or how many uh, cases per 100,000 people. They're very similar. So I, I just, I, I honestly, there is a reason that Governor California Governor Newsom is walking into a recall election, and it is all about the onerous uh, restrictions and mandates and government edicts he placed on the citizens of California. So I, I'm telling you, it we don't need government doing it for us to be self-determining adults that make smart decisions. We can do this. I think there's a lot of data that will be interesting to look at for years to come when this is all over with, depending on how states well, have their mask mandates, which ones didn't, what shut things mm -hmm. down, because I think there's a lot of numbers you can look at, and there's a lot of numbers from deaths and illness that oftentimes states you can't get till not only when the year's over with, but six year, six months past or whatever. So I just think there's going to be a lot of statisticians who have a lot of work to do when this is all over with to it's say true. what works. And I'm hoping that we don't have another pandemic for another hundred years like <laughs> we have since the Spanish flu, but you never know. So the question is, do we keep our masks in the back of our underwear drawer for just in case next mm -hmm. time, or do we really just throw them away? It's going to be also an interesting social spirit. We were we were talking, we were planning a, a conference in the fall that we think is going to happen, yeah. and we're now starting to twip, switch the narrative to, like, what do you do? Now, this is honestly out there about, like, what is, you're holding a conference and one person says they want everyone to wear a mask, but we're not under a pandemic anymore. Like, how do you now accommodate um, I think you let the person who wants zone. to wear a mask wear e one. Yeah, exactly. But like one thing that's come out of this is a bunch of socially awkward conversations, right? Can yeah. I join the elevator with you? May I? May I do this? May I not? And and we'll be in somewhere in a social awkwardness for a while. I know people are weird. I admit, when I was <laughs> driving to work today, I don't know what kind of group it was because it looked like a lot of them had kind of matching backpacks. 
but I had to stop because they were all crossing the street at the same time when I was turning into KUTV. And it was like a huge group of people. I haven't seen that many people in one place all at once. I took a picture. I was like, whoo, look at this. A herd of humans. Yes. It was wild. So yeah, I think that we've all got different I don't know. It's going to be weird, the social norms. Even when you watch TV now and you see people without masks on or right. hanging out, you're like, whoa, buddy, what's right. happening? So, yeah, we're going to have to do some mental gymnastics uh, to get through all of this, but I am ready for it. Uh, the stimulus passed. Uh, Biden signed it. There were no Republicans from Utah. Were there any Republicans in general? No, that voted for it. But it's basically $2 trillion. It is a lot of money. Mara, did you support the full $2 trillion or was there somewhere where you're thinking this isn't necessary? Yeah, so Congress is Congress, right? They never, they, they broach the unnecessary as, yeah. a, as a, uh, a matter of course, right? So of course there's unnecessary in there. I'm, that is a given. It's a given for the Democrats. It's a given for the Republicans. I think the preponderance, I mean, depending on what you're reading, 85, 87% goes directly into COVID-related activities. But of course there's nonsense in there. Um, I think some of the nonsense was taken out. What I do like about this is the vast majority, the intellectually honest part is it did go into both the medical part of COVID and the economic part of COVID. What I was really liking is how much goes directly into uh, local jurisdictions and how much goes into water infrastructure and um, into safety infrastructures and 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 rebuilding and how much goes back into uh, the local part because I do think that's the part of America that needs the help the most. I would like to have seen a few more criteria about um, how money was designated, who got what, maybe a little more showing of need along the way. But that does not, we don't have the luxury of those who are suffering as much as they are to have that kind of discussion. On whole, I was pleased with it. On whole, I think it um, bypasses a lot of the mid-level governmental entities and really goes into local jurisdictions. Some of the things I would like to see us cover in Utah is how cities and counties are going to use that money. The state will get some, but it's going to be really interesting. I would like us to directly follow that money in Utah um, and see where counties are using the money, where cities are using the money, and where local businesses are using that money. And the interesting part is, Greg, let's get to you next, but uh, some of these monies, when they come, have time limits on them. And I think it was Vernal, um, the Duchesne County, that built like a, right. a sledding hill, which, I mean, good for them. I guess mm-hmm. it gets people outside doing it. But they had money. It had to get spent. It didn't help with COVID or anything else, but it did give people a fun thing to do. Is this wise... Uh, here in Utah, Greg, we actually are doing better tax-wise than we were the year previously. There's other states like that. I think about half of the states um, here in the U.S. have actually done better somehow during the pandemic and maybe don't need the bailout like some of the other states. Was this a good idea to pass this much money or? No. No. It's sad. Look, it, you know, it, it's it's true that Congress acts like Congress and, and there are Republicans and Democrats in Congress, but it wouldn't be true. That the, that the Republicans have their fingerprints on this $2 trillion. It's not even a bailout. It's just a you know the unprecedented pork bill. There's not a Republican that voted for it, I think, in the House of Representatives or the Senate. This is the problem. Um, you know, it's, it's hard for me to listen to some of these states led by Democrats who made such draconian and I would even argue irresponsible decisions about how you know state governments do not print money like the federal government. So they have to – they can only spend what they collect by way of taxes. Yet they were making decisions in California and, and New York and other states that there was no sense 
to how those states would be able to continue. And they need this stimulus or whatever you want to call it, this COVID money, because they 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 are way out there. They were creating more arduous uh, restrictions that hindered business, that stopped tax collection from happening in a way that Utah didn't do. So you got to bail them out. Uh, you're bailing them out for their bad decisions. That's why they're in such dire straits. But to have those that that really did shut down their economy in such a severe way and hinder people's ability to move and didn't try to crack that code in a way that didn't destroy uh, their tax collection and now have them saying, we have a crisis out here. We need this money. Well, they, they are, they're a party to that crisis. And why do states like Utah and other Republican states not find themselves in the same dire straits? It's because they didn't make such draconian and restrictive decisions. They knew they had to pay the bills. They knew they had to keep people from losing their jobs indefinitely or their small businesses. And that's not to say Utah doesn't have sec sectors of our economy that have been and are devastated by what's happened. But we we handled this storm a lot better because I think we were more strategic or surgical about how we did it. Some states, they just like California, Greg, as know, I said, New York, we they were, just went, they just, they went over the, over we the, were benefited over the by the primary bailout, right? Um, you know, I mean, I, I I'm going to challenge you that your strictly partisan approach, but our topic to right now world. is the 1.9 trillion. Sure. But they the mirror thing. each other. And for those who don't think they mirror each other, they're just participating in partisan rhetoric. I mean, there are degrees of, but they really follow the same philosophy. So if you loved Trump's infrastructure and hate Biden's, then it's a little bit of, it's a little bit of political malarkey you're playing with there. No, and so, I, look, there was and so a I'm Senate just saying you're approaching a, it from a partisan point of view, and you're not acknowledging. I, I agree with that Utah is managed better. I don't disagree with the states. I mean, it has long been these United States who are bailing out people who don't do it well. So I don't disagree with that. But there's a disingenuousness about uh, suggesting that Utahns are not are doing well because we pulled ourselves up by our bootstraps. We benefited greatly and needed the federal um, infusion of funds both uh, this time and under Trump. And I think the interesting thing is, too, when you look at all the money, it brings up the quandary of do you give the money just to the states who need it or are in a mess and mm. then um, take the moral high ground and say we don't need it, we can do this. But then if you take it down to the personal level of those $1,400 checks going out um, per adult and you're thinking, okay, I haven't lost my job. Mara, you haven't lost right. your job. Greg, we we all still have paychecks coming in, but the check comes to you. Do you give it back and rip it up because you're like, I stand on higher ground, or do you take it because you're I give Mara's check back. I'm giving Mara's check back. That's you know, what I'm doing. You I'm know making I that would. decision right here. My, I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and communism, socialism, whatever you want to call it, Greg. I'm giving my check back. Yeah, Good. so it brings I, up I interesting questions. That. I do hope that we figure out, this is a lot of spending, how to make sure that in the future we can get back to, I believe it was the Clinton days when we didn't have didn't this spend. massive debt. And uh, we're digging a hole that if we keep going this way is going to cause a huge problem for our children, our grandchildren, even ourselves. And so and we're, uh, we are digging a, a hole. I mean, and yeah. once again, I was disappointed by the congressional process, right? Yeah. I mean, we've got a fundamental problem with Again, partisanship at that level, don't, not allowing us to make good policy decisions. Yeah. I did appreciate, and I know a lot of people were annoyed by this, but uh, one of the senators who called that they read the entire bill, I know it was sort of for showmanship and just to be, just stick it to the man. 
But in some ways, I was like, should this not always happen where we read, read the, bill the bill and know what we're voting on? I still think you should have to be Why? on the floor. I don't think you should be able to be I working. I think you should have to sit uh-huh. and listen to yourselves. Take because your phones if away. it's that yeah. painful, you shouldn't be doing it. Yeah. You, you, know it's, you know it's bad in Congress when the big trick is you have to read the bill. Right. Oh, that's a trick? I know. So anyhow, <laughs> I was impressed that they actually did it, and I feel bad for whoever had to read it. So hopefully they had some cough drops when they got done with that because it was a lot of reading. Um, I want to go back to Biden's speech for just a minute. Yesterday, expectation-wise, Greg, uh, did you hear anything from him that you didn't expect? One thing I was interested in listening to is that um, there was some interesting salesmanship in there because I think a lot of people said going into the vaccines that the 100 million, not 100 million, like vaccine mark was maybe a low sell because it was kind of expected to hit it. And he talked about how it was this huge goal. Do you think that... um, he kind of oversold where we're at right now, or what was your vibe you got from him? Well, certainly, uh, Canada Biden, the world, the sky was falling, and everything was uh, pretty dismal and dark. He described America as a dark place. Uh, I don't know that everything has changed uh, as much as his uh, appraisal of how things have changed. Uh, I, th- I don't think it was as dark as he described. I don't think it's uh, all uh, coming together in the rave review that he described, but. Beyond that, the, the, the biggest two takeaways from his speech for me was that I, he was he was sharp. I felt like he, you know, for all the the talk, and I even worry about him. Yeah, you know, he's at that hardware store. He just looks like he doesn't know where he's at. He looks like he's at a, he thinks he's at a Home Depot and he's looking for I don't know spackle for a hole in the wall or something. He doesn't know where he's at. And the the the, the press corps asking him questions, and he's just staring and looking, and he's saying, so you "Okay, think you got to go." Nailed his first speech. So yeah, I think he got enough sleep. I think they pumped enough, uh, you know, ADD medicine in him or something. Oh he gosh, was. Right. I thought he was. I thought he was sharp. I thought he came across as a president. I wanted to see that. I I actually don't take any joy in seeing those moments where he looks like he's confused. It's, so I don't like it. But but that. But then he did take on a tone in that speech on Thursday night of kind of wagging his finger. I just felt like there was a little bit of lecturing going on that I just think we're all, you know, we're all tired of this. We we're in this a year. We don't, we don't need any more, you know, lectures on how we should be handling this or, you know, anyway, so those were, those were the Did two. He I thought the right, he was sharp. So yeah. first I have to say, I, I've been with Greg when he's tried to multitask. And so for him to criticize, you know, wandering aimlessly <laughs> is, is a little bit of a glass house. But I will say uh, I, it was a, it was a tremendous speech for him. I mean, he, he has had moments it where it felt we're, general conferency to me, maybe because I'm it, used to I think Trump, it was, but it felt very like I, if I close <laughs> my eyes and just listen, I'm like, yeah. is this LDS general conference? I think he used a him. lot of those techniques, <laughs> yeah. right? I think his voice modulation, I think his energy, whether whether it was practiced or whether whether it was intuitive, I think he did, as you suggested. He really played the speech. I mean, and yeah. I, he he really connected, and um, he certainly did what you should do in political theater, which is uh, promise a little, aim a lot, right? He's going to get to his mark at day 60 or or whatever it is Mm -hmm. instead of day 100. And um, it was intimate, and it was firesidey, and it was definitely um, a sense of, I'm going to say patriarchy, not in the negative way, but I think it's what you're saying, like this sort of, father grandfather this we're in this together and he certainly is evoking the traditional style of america's americanism that we saw in in you know clinton but we also saw it in reagan and and he really evoked americanism that was absent during the trump administration while we're speaking general conference this was something that i was not aware of and greg brought to my attention (laughs) someone people were tweeting 
tweeting at me. I don't know what the proper verbiage of that is when people are adding you on <laughs> Twitter about this today, and I hadn't actually read the story. But um, Elder Uchtdorf with the LDS Church, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, has clarified now family campaign donations during the election. So, Greg, apparently his name is on the long list of donations that went to President Biden and others, and people are asking the question whether this was a good idea or not. You brought up the story, but I'm not letting you go first because you got to go first last. Mara, uh, do you think that there should be any concern when we're looking at uh, whether it's the Pope or the president of the LDS Church or um, Buddhist or uh, Jewish synagogues? Should we worry about where their campaign donations are going? Or should they be able to choose who they follow and want their leaders to be as well? So this is a tightrope, and everyone's going to have an opinion. But I one, I think, of course, you should be able to donate. It, he explained. So we should first, again, say he said it wasn't my donation. But in general, I'm going to old school. I'm going to bring him young at it. I'm going to say, yeah, let's have. I think if you normalize the civic conversation, dial down the anger, allow for people you trust to have different points of view, I think what's harmful is the explicit or the implicit part. I mean, I'm going to stay in Utah and there's this whole body of reasoning in political uh, circles in Utah that people try and out-politic the church, right? Or, yeah. or they out-church the church. And so the church is evoked all the time, um, not of their own accord. Mm -hmm. it, it comes into play when you have such a dominant religion. Uh, I, I don't I don't want any of my ecclesiastical leaders telling me directly who to vote for, but I certainly am not among those who say, no, you should lead by example, you should donate to who you want. I think that civics are a critical part of living in a democracy, and so wanting to compartmentalize those people and say you don't participate in civics, you only participate in religion, particularly uh, a religion that's largely lay. In his instance, you could say he was a pro, if you will. I mean, he's sort of not paid, but he is uh, a full-time figurehead. I, I think they I, do get a salary yeah, and a I mean, stipend for their living. And he's I think an official yes. church figure. Yeah. But I I think, um, I don't want to be told how to vote, but I also don't want to say you shouldn't have any opinion at all. And um, that that maybe what they do should reflect. Because I, I, I will say you they're like being... like his opinion because he's a Democrat, apparently? Of course. Yeah. Of course. I mean, we all know that most of them must be Democrats because, you know, <laughs> it makes sense for those who are going to heaven. To lean my to hands up in the air. I'm raising my hand. So, I'm Greg, Greg, Greg. All right, fine. Ahead. It's your turn. Explode. So, you, um, Elder Uchtdorf, is one of your ecclesiastical leaders. Uh, does it bother you at all? Are you cool with it? Is it nice to know? I mean, he's saying that this his name was on the credit card, and so it was a family donation. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, it, the church actually has a policy that uh, that says that they're not going to uh, endorse uh, candidates uh, in partisan politics, and they're not going to engage in those things, and endorsements or contributions would be the same. Uh, it clearly was an oversight that uh, – because Dieter Uchtdorf is just not a common name. This isn't one name that you can mistake with someone else's name. So the FEC report Maybe uh, has multiple – Maybe Germany, yeah. There's a lot of yeah, Dieters running around. But this address is Draper. from like North, you know, North Salt Lake, okay? This is just – we kind of know where this is coming from. So – but here's here's the challenge. You have multiple uh, donations to the the Democrat Georgia Senate candidates in January, Warnick for uh, for you know, for Senate, Ossoff for Senate. You have the Democrat National Committee uh, contribution, multiple contributions for fight for Bi the the Biden fight fund and and Biden for president. I, I will tell you, there's a reason why there's a policy on this, and that is because if we were just to flip the script and, and just say. 
both of all these contributions from apostles of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints were given to the Republican candidates in January and to President Trump in uh, multiple times, that what would be uh, derived from that are the conclusions uh, of people who might not support Trump or support uh, the Republicans in those races. Uh, it could become a distraction to leaders of our faith who are meant to spiritually guide us in this world and and really uh, all of us, whether we're Republican, that whatever our party affiliation is, or if we don't have an affiliation to a political party, our spiritual leaders are just that. And I think that once you start engaging in partisan politics and and, and candidates and contributions, it starts to get messy. And where it gets messy is for those that don't like Trump or don't like the Republicans, they will find contradictions in the faith that they think those particular candidates uh, are in opposition to what they think the faith uh, teaches or promotes. And the same would be said if you support the Democrats, respect, you know, particularly Democrat candidates. There are people that will be confused by that because they would argue that the, the party and the candidate uh, are arguing for or advocating for things that were contrary to what they believe uh, their church or in uh, fact, does it so teach us that we can be contrary to people we admire? And really well, smart people and really thoughtful people Mara could have... Carabella would oh, be as excited okay, let's, to see those let's take a moment with President your phrase, Trump. flip the switch. Are you suggesting yeah, to me that I have never been around elected officials who perhaps are Republicans or perhaps... I mean, the church is evoked you here mean, constantly, you mean, Greg. You and it's, it's, it's always right? evoked for the Republicans. So don't... You can't not look at someone who's left of center and say, can you imagine a world where the LDS church was Republican? Of course, I can imagine a world. Well, you where, can imagine anything you want. I, I, I can so, imagine it. But if you saw those contributions from apostles for President Trump, I know I don't that that have would a not problem. be a well-received. I don't have a problem. I, I am sophisticated enough to understand that my spiritual leader maybe has a different political opinion than I do. Well, for the for the for the us simpletons out here, we would love our ecclesiastical leaders to stay in the spiritual realm and less in the political realm. So, is this true for a bishop, or is this true for um, I do actually a cleric I, actually, in the Episcopalian Church? This is true for anyone. Is it a Sunday school teacher, primary? At what level are you allowed to? Be involved in civics. I think I think it's on that may, more of a may, like a bishop or a stake president. So if or, you're an elected legislator and a bishop, do you, should you resign your seat? Ooh, this is getting I, tough. You know what? Actually, it's not a tough thing for me. I the the first time I ran in 2002, my opponent was a serving stake president, and it and it made it complicated. It was it it, it does bring up issues that I think uh, can and should be avoided. I do. Uh, that's my opinion. That's it how is an I interesting see it, question. I do, is. before we end this, want to read um, what Uchtdorf um, told the newspaper. This is to the Deseret News. He said, these donations were made by my family using an online account, which is shared by our family and associated with my name. I do think that's a little strange because I don't share credit you know, card accounts. I want to be in his with my family. I know. I'm like, <laughs> I want that. I want you be my dad too? Like he says, I regret such an oversight on my part. I fully support the church's policy related to political donations from church leaders. Maybe he was doing it because people uh, think that all the church leaders are far right and conservative, and he just wanted to throw something out there to be like, hey, guys. So I do want to separate that. I think the policy or the, the discussion is super interesting. I should We should give a shout out to him that say he came out right away. He clarified this position. I mean, like, yeah. I don't want to pile on too much to perhaps this single incident, but the question itself about, you know, always keeping civics and, 
and leadership, I, th- I think, is part of the problem we have yeah. right now. And if we want to talk about the historical roots of the LDS Church, I believe most were Democrats originally because of the issue of polygamy. And I think Democrats, if I have my history right, someone correct me if I'm wrong, were the ones who were sort of more a little bit lenient towards the polygamy. I think it was the Republicans that were like, you've got to get rid of this. So I think the modern era came when, um, you know, Benson had strong political opinions and a political career, and he also clearly had uh, an, a strong cle- ecclesiastical yeah. career, if you will. I mean, you know, say like. Yes, there was a little bit of both going on. But they ended. People were worried that when he became the prophet of the LDS Church, that he would interject those politics, and he did not. He didn't. He didn't do that. So. Well, and I mean, I would argue clearly he did, and the writing suggests that he did. But I would still defend his right to have both opinions. To have opinions, interesting stuff. So this is something that brings up a lot of opinions: is daylight saving time this weekend. I'm seriously so exhausted going into this week that I'm just like, why do we have to lose an hour of sleep? I like having longer days, but it was about a year ago that the legislature, Greg, were you still there when this was voted to get rid of uh, daylight saving time? This issue's been brought up every year I was a lawmaker, so I don't know what year it actually I think it was just last year. I think it finally passed, but I think the way it works is you have to have four surrounding states around you that agree with it. And I think we've now got those four surrounding states, but it's either Oregon or Washington that's now waiting because in their agreement in their state, California coastally has to. Should Congress have to go after this, Mara, and just make the decision, or is it fine flip flopping all the time and what's an hour? Jet lag. Every I feel six horrible months. because I, I really sincerely believe the stories of people whose lives are, are impacted and disrupted, but I kind of like it. It's a little something, something to do. It's like Super Bowl something and daylight fun. savings and, and, you know, St. Patrick's Day. I feel like it's something to do. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm a lightweight, I guess, on this issue because I don't mind it. I don't even mind its origins that we no longer have and cling to with, with farming and agriculture. But, uh, you know, I, I know that people have, um, I, I know people have impacts, particularly physically, that hurt them, but I've always thought it was something fun. Thought it was fun. I like want to spring A forward. little challenge to get up an hour <laughs> earlier. <laughs> Drag Greg, myself. Greg, where are you? Do you want us it's, to stop turning the clocks around, or is it fun for you, too? I do. It's it's an archaic practice. It, it, it does have its roots, I believe, in, in the agricultural, uh, you know, that used, the agrarian way of life was the life that most people experienced in America way back when, and, and, and capturing more of that daylight uh, required that kind of adjustment. I don't think it's necessary anymore. I think we are, are a different uh, society, and I think it's just a holdover from an era gone by. And I would love to just have the time be the time and not keep moving it around. Arizona did it a long, long time ago, and they seem to be just fine. They seem to be My surviving. biggest problem is I have this alarm clock that's like a light, and it goes on sort of like a sunrise oh, in the slow. morning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I love that clock, but I personally don't know how to change the time on it. I've tried. <laughs> it's like it's super complicated. You got to get out the manual every time. And I think my husband barely just fixed it for me like a month ago from the last time change it on like Ugh. so you have like a double daylight savings. Yeah. yeah. It's so, even easier now. So many of our clocks do it on their own. I know now. our you phones and everything. I know. I wish there was an app to make my cool light do that, but I, I'm going to try to get on it sooner. So anyhow, we'll have that to look forward to next week. By the time we get to Friday in the podcast we're going to be like nap time ready but i'm excited (laughs) that it means spring is here so that's a good thing hey i want to just talk about a couple things before we leave really quickly in the legislative session it was over with um, after we finished our podcast last week Uh, 502 bills in all were passed a few of them have been signed into law 
Mara, are there any at the top of your list where you're thinking there's a veto coming or they should be vetoed? You know, constitutional carry should be vetoed. Um, I will be disappointed in Cox if he goes further than any governor has gone. Uh, it's, it's bad policy. It's bad law. He's not indicating that he's vetoing, but he's also slow to sign, right? Yeah. I mean, unusually slow to sign, and I don't know that any of us know what the— Maybe there is no strategy. Maybe yeah. there is a strategy. But certainly constitutional carry would be something I would expect— uh, would be good policy from the executive branch. I, 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 of course, would throw down with the legislative branch a little bit on their encroachment uh, on executive law. So I would, I would try and cut out a little bit of the, um, the encroachment on executive as well if I were the governor. And Greg, um, one of the ones that passed was no more picketing at private homes. We saw people picketing the governor, the lieutenant governor, also um, the health department, some of their homes. Does this take away our right to free speech or is this a good idea? You should leave people alone at home. This should this now be that I'm, now that I'm not a public servant, I, I think care. it's game on. Let them go do it all they want. You know, just go line that cul-de-sac. I swear. If I was a public servant, I got kids at home and my wife, and my family who didn't, you know, they support the they supported me, and so they signed up. I guess that way, but uh, it impacts their families. But my we're not. I'm citizen Hughes now, so what do I care? So yeah, no, I think they ought to be able to pick it anywhere they want. <laughs> just kidding. Uh, uh, it's, pro- it's probably yeah. it's it's probably fine. Okay. It's Are there any vetoes let you feel? Be left alone. I, you know what? I don't. I you know I, you're talking to a former uh, legislator, so I think if it it is very difficult to pass a bill, and it's very easy to kill a bill all along the way. So if that if bills have received the support in uh, a House committee, a House floor debate, a Senate committee, a Senate floor debate. Uh, then I think it's it's met that measure, and I would I used to always vote against or vote to override vetoes when if, when they came because I think the legislature has spoken, and I think it's a very thorough process with public input along the way, and so I don't support vetoing any of those bills. That, Except that, for you or, got a bill repealed that. this time, didn't you? The bail reform that they screwed right. up last yes. time. So sometimes the legislature votes it all the way through, and then you realize afterwards that it's a bad idea. No. Oh, no. Yeah. Sometimes there's unintended consequences and, and you do have to go revisit the work that had been done. And uh, so if and you so were we governor, you would have just had a general rule of no veto ever. If my colleagues in the House and Senate are Said for yes. it, I'm for it. Well, that's a very sticky. Because uh, you could oh, be governor. Oh, the great Mara. <laughs> 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 yeah, maybe I invoke a great Hughes exception there. No, I would imagine that I would have had such a strong relationship with the legislative sure. uh, branch that yeah. my my feelings and my thoughts on policy would be known before you get to the moment of a veto. So, so maybe there's like some that would start. have like a big sleepover with all the legislature and like yeah, pillow try. fights. And have like a snacks. movie night at the governor's mansion, you know, let's watch some movies. Let's just <laughs> talk about things, kind of, you know, work it out. That's what I do. That would but be But yeah, fun. no, I, but that bill, you mentioned that, that bill that we repealed. I've heard some people say that that, that bill could be considered where we repealed the so-called bail reform uh, and its unintended consequences. There's a commitment from stakeholders in the criminal justice system, from law enforcement to prosecutors to defense attorneys to uh, Libertas, uh, ACLU, to get together uh, and try to build a statute uh, that or a bill that would, would actually do the things that, as advertised. The bill that was passed was having the opposite effect on many fronts. And so uh, that work, there's a there's a there's a commitment to continue working in that vein, which I think is important. So it's not just repeal and forget about it. There, there's there's going to be work going forward. So I think for that reason, I would be surprised if that bill to repeal was uh, vetoed, because I think that there's 
uh, an agreement that the story's not finished okay. or to being being told. There's more work to be done. My brain's stuck on libertus. How do you say that? I say Liber- libertas in my head. Am I saying it too Libertas, sexy? libertus, I don't know. I, I, I think have it's no libertas, idea. but they say libertus. They. I like oh. to say they. Those. Libertas, I don't like that. It doesn't libertas. sound no, fancy No, it's not enough. fancy. No. I, I, if it were me, I would go with libertas. Okay. That's how I say it in All my right. head. <laughs> I also, before we go, just want to point out to those who are not paying close attention that this coming Wednesday is... A great high holy day of St. Patrick's Day that I feel like we don't pay <laughs> enough attention to. Well, see, we have to COVID it, but I'm just saying your lives will be markedly better if you plan and prepare for St. Patrick's Day in your own fashion, in your own safe you way. But take a moment to celebrate St. Patrick's. I've been the looking Hughes forward family to came it over. Year. Go ahead. Yeah. The Hughes family came, uh, came, migrated to the United States because of the potato famine. Uh, in Ireland, so most of my ancestors, on the, at least on the Hughes side, came from from Ireland. So yes, I love St. Patrick's Day. Well, if you guys Great. want to party, we have one pod that was decorated before the pandemic began okay. with like green tinsel and shamrocks and everything. We've been looking at it for a year because <laughs> all of those people have been home for a year and not allowed back to work. So every holiday, we just think we're so getting closer and closer. There. So the party's set up. We're ready to go. Um, it's going to be disappointing that they probably won't be back till the 4th of July. We'll right. have to keep looking at the St. Patty's decorations. But I'm excited that we've made it to the mark where it's actually appropriate to have that up again. Great. So that's good. Yeah, happy to have it and happy to have you guys. Thanks for joining us. Tell your friends about the podcast because we're awesome.